0: Welcome again to the Southwest Climate Outlook Monsoon 2022, Mike Crimmins.
1: Hey, Zach. How are you feeling?
0: feeling fantastic. How about you?
1: All this humidity. I'm, I'm glowing.
0: I was thinking, in the beginning of September, it's kind of the time where you sort of step outside, sniff the air, maybe you lick your finger, you put it in the air, and you, you kind of have a good feeling about what the monsoon's going to do. It's sort of like our Puxatani film moment, uh, and I kind of feel like you're the groundhog. Oh,
1: I, I'm <laughs> looking, looking more like a, like a you're groundhog. The hair
0: day. and the beard when I, you used to wear the beard, like you, you'd actually look like a groundhog.
1: I, I, I think I'm I'm taking on kind of a rodent look. <laughs> I think that that's actually true. Yeah.
0: All right. So, so do you agree? You, you think like the September? You know, when you step outside, like you can, you kind of get a good feeling, or at least you have something in your. In your, in your body, that tells you one way or the other?
1: You're spot on. It's like September 1st is, it's that time where you go outside and you f- say, is it over or are there, is there four, four more weeks of monsoon?
0: All right. So did you step outside and see your shadow? I didn't. Wait, so what does that mean then? <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd get this wrong. <laughs> All right. So so if you didn't see your shadow, Puxitoni Phil, if he doesn't see his shadow, spring yeah. is coming.
1: Yeah, winter's so, over.
0: So winter's over and that's a good thing.
1: Well, I mean, it's, you know, this, the monsoon thing is like, it didn't, metaphor, see,
0: the metaphor just broke down. The metaphor
1: down. exploded. All right, it,
0: so you didn't, you didn't I see your didn't shadow.
1: See my shadow. Does that
0: mean you're bullish about the monsoon being like it has been, which has been amazing, which we'll get into in a minute. Or mm-hmm. do you think on the, on the descending limb toward uh, dry conditions?
1: descending limb is is generous
0: oh boy (laughs) we just walk off a cliff
1: maybe it certainly it feels like it and living here you know now for 20 years the beginning of September is it's the decision point right is you gonna hold on to anything or is it gonna really just fade away
0: but just to be clear you you think the monsoon is kind of over I do oh boy the groundhogs are never right, though.
1: <laughs> Farmer's Almanac. <laughs> do you check that?
0: All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna unpack that. I am curious. I, I was actually hoping that you would say something different. Obviously, because uh, <laughs> who does who wants the monsoon to end, and particularly this monsoon. So uh, yeah. So we'll have to get your insights there, Mike. Let me throw to you what I think ought to be the uh, outline, and you can uh, propose some some additional topics, if you'd like. Um, let's review what happened in the last month in August. And I'm going to have to particularly lean on you because I spent two weeks away, actually, believe it or not, in the Asian monsoon area. And the irony of this whole thing is I think that there was more monsoon action here than, than where I was. Um, I
1: was. I was jealous because you, you were going to Bangladesh in monsoon season. And I thought, wow, that's going to be epic. And I was
0: prepared for it to be epic. I brought a rain jacket. Not once did I use it. Not I did not get rained on once. Seems- I did see in the far distance in Northern Bangladesh, I did see what looked like very similar kinds of monsoon features that we have here in the Southwest. And I, you know, I was just thinking actually that the scale was going to be much greater. I don't really know all that much about the Asian monsoon other than like you know I know a little bit about the dynamics, but I have never obviously experienced it firsthand. I, I was heartened to see, you know, that 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 one day that there were these convective cells, one had a shelf cloud, and there was these rain curtains that were very similar to what we see here in the southwest. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool, but uh yeah, no, not as much uh activity as I had hoped. Anyway, so August, like really gonna have to lean on you for that. So let's let's review August, then let's talk about you know, the, the monsoon to date, let's, you know, we're, we're two thirds, generously two thirds of the way through the monsoon, like probably more like, you know, September is, 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 variable. So, you know, we could by your account be mostly through the monsoon, if not all the way through the monsoon, if we don't get any more rain. So let's review the monsoon. Uh, and then, uh, you know, a little bit of a prelude for uh, September. What do That's you think? Great. I I
1: like it. I think it's a good plan. You know, and I'm I'm actually the last time we talked, you know, I was whining about it not raining at my house. Within moments of finishing our discussion, it started raining. And then it rained a ton. And then I was like, okay, I'm good. You know, if if the monsoon's over, it's okay. I'm that fair weather, poor weather monsoon guy.
0: You know, to that point, I forgot like our last conversation because you know, we we really stressed ourselves to. Like the monsoon was fooling us. You, when you look at the sort of larger picture, there was quite a bit of rain, and uh, a number of you know parts of, of of the southwest. You know, Tucson was you know one of the few areas that had not received as as much rain as as perhaps it could have. So it had fooled us at that moment. It certainly has come back in, in parts close to me. So, and that that I think is is the point that I want to make about August, Mike. Is it looks like you know, broadly speaking for those areas that had received a nice July, wet, wet July, that sort of picture continued into August. And it even got better in, in a number of places, including in Tucson, at least at the airport, like August was better than, than July, you know, Phoenix was similar, but a slightly better, you know, Flagstaff at the end of, at the end of July, you know, had close to, let's see here, had close to like two and a half inches, you know, at the end of August, you know, we're at around nine inches. So, sorry, at the end of August, we're at uh, around nine inches. So it's done better. Las Cruces has been pretty persistent. Albuquerque has been pretty persistent too. So it's it, I, I think the story for August, at, at least in terms of the statistics, is that uh, it kept up the pace and accelerated in, 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 in some regions. So maybe you can take us back and, and, and tell us what happened in August from maybe a, a regional and dynamical perspective.
1: So, yeah, if you remember the beginning of the monsoon, there was off to a racing start with a bunch of rainfall in um, New Mexico. It had some of that kind of transitional type weather where there was a little bit of trophiness off to the west of us and it dragged up some storms across Southeast Arizona, rained a ton on New Mexico. And then we transitioned into kind of monsoon season proper. We ended up having the ridge in a pretty good position. We started to get the Gulf surges in, the moisture starts to flow into into much of the southwest through July but then we had really weak steering flow so we had storms popping up all over the place but they were really kind of the higher elevations and when they would move off they would they would move off in places that weren't my backyard so they so it wasn't raining in my house but it was it was definitely stacking up and it was raining across the region New Mexico and Arizona proper so August was like yet another chapter and it was it was kind of interesting is that we started to get some more flow like we started to have Better shear, better dynamics, and just, just soupy, soupy moisture across the region. I was looking at uh, some climatologies of precipitable water. So remember, we talk about precipitable water as being a measure of moisture, not only at the surface, but up through the column of, of the atmosphere. And that gives us an indication of, like, really how much water is there to, to work with for a storm from the surface all the way up in the atmosphere. And the anomalies differences from average across the Southwest were just like off the charts. And they really stood out in Arizona where we've just had this constant flow of moisture up the Gulf of California all month. Okay. And so what we ended up seeing through August was kind of the typical terrain-driven thunderstorms popping up, but then also events that would turn into uh, mesoscale convective vortices that would then wander around the state for days, triggering new clusters of thunderstorms that would then sustain another one. So you have these little pockets of heavy precipitation. And what I thought was really interesting is that Western Arizona got in on the action and you probably saw, this actually extended all the way into California. I was I saw a news report that Death Valley had its rainiest day ever in a one in 1,000 year flood event on August 5th. And you know there was some news reporting Just west of Arizona, just west of the Colorado River on I-10, there was so much rain that it blew out the interstate with some of this rain. So the point being that the low deserts, which can often get through a monsoon season without sometimes any precipitation, have just been like hammered. They've been getting precipitation totals three, four inches, which rivals, you know, some of the wetter spots of the state so far.
0: But so we had flow up persistent flow in, in August up the Gulf. Talk a little bit about the position of, of the Ridge and, and, and how did that relate to was it? Was it just in a position that favored sort of the Western, Western, uh, Arizona, but that it's also interesting because it wasn't just Western Arizona that got a lot of rainfall. It was sort of like, I'm looking at these precipitation maps and there's, you know, August 20th, August 21st, like New Mexico got, got clobbered. You know, you know, it's, it's actually quite widespread the these, these rainfall events.
1: We ended up having, if you look, if you look at the pattern of precipitable water anomalies, so difference from, from, from average for August, it extends all the way from the Gulf coast, Gulf of Mexico, all the way through to Southern California. So, right. So we're, there's just, there's plenty of moisture everywhere and it's, so if you drag it in from any direction, it's gonna be plentiful. And the position of the high, it was sort of weak and sprawling across the Western US, but we were in easterly flow across the Southwest. So that would then bring any kind of, well, first off then that means that it's gonna drag, um, it's gonna help drag any sort of mid to upper level moisture from the East towards the West. And if it's that's plentiful, that's helpful. And it's also going to steer any kind of upper level disturbance. So saying like an inverted trough or even a closed low pressure system will move from the Gulf Basin, Gulf of Mexico basin across Northern Mexico or even across the Southwest and then over the Gulf of Mexico. So that kind of flow can continue to sustain the Gulf surge up the Gulf of California and kind of keep us in the soup. But to your point too, that you're having these widespread events. We ended up having a a closed low. It was a tropical closed low, and I I think it had some tropical origin out of the Gulf of Mexico. And I can't remember if it was a tropical storm or ended up being something named, but it came from Texas and wandered across southern New Mexico, uh, northern Mexico, and southern Arizona for like five days, the middle part of the month. And it was one of those events you just talked about, like you know, New Mexico getting clobbered, was associated with this upper-level low, right? So.
0: Yeah, I remember watching that actually, like, yeah, at it in Texas. And yeah, you remember it. just
1: this beautiful cyclonic circulation and, you know, enhanced dynamics helps with the moisture. And when you have that much moisture, thermodynamically, it's just, it doesn't take much to get it to rain just about anywhere. And that's what we ended up seeing um, happen, you know, from low desert to high elevation and, and across the whole region. It was just, we were socked in. And there was enough interesting stuff going on in the atmosphere to, to f- have these little flare ups here and there.
0: Yeah. And these kinds of events, what did you call it? A cutoff low?
1: It was a closed low. Closed low. Yeah, yeah. And I cut, cut off probably not the right word for this time of year. I, I mean, it didn't break off of a, a major storm track. So right, right, right. just a so, closed low coming off. Yep.
0: So those kinds of things are happening among amongst a background in our case, where the, the position of the Ridge was, north. And so it allowed that closed low to sort of waft eastward. Is that in other cases, probably this has occurred when that ridge has been more southerly and, and caused those lows not to actually waft into the region. So. Today,
1: actually, that's exactly what's happening today. Oh, really? Uh huh. And that's, that's why, so there's, there's a beautiful inverted trough that's been just hammering New Mexico the last couple of days. And I don't know if you noticed, but it's been really, really windy in Tucson out of the East and really it's strange. It feels like April because we've got these, these stiff East winds and they're downsloping winds. And so it's a pressure gradient between this low to the Southeast of us. And the, the high is almost overhead. So we're kind of in the, we're getting this weird kind of like, it feels like spring kind of pressure differential, but we've also dried out. So this, this inverted trough is, is not super helpful we were in such a better spot just a couple of weeks ago to capitalize on this than we are even today.
0: I sort of love thinking about this. Like there's there's these sort of rogue events, if you will, or these 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 events, these cutoff lows or closed lows that are sort of wafting around. and But they're sort of wandering onto a, a background that's really sort of guiding it. So you've got two different systems that are sort of independent of each other. But like what actually plays out is I don't know what the, the, the the right metaphor is, but.
1: It's not unlike when her, you know, hurricane forecasting is they, they become, they become independent sort of entities and they, so they have their own dynamics, but they move in the backdrop of the broader flow pattern, right. Which is why the forecasting becomes really dependent on where the ridge and the trough are, you know, and in any kind of this sort of tropical subtropical weather we see in the summer, these lows they're not part of a strong, mean flow that's sort of moving them along, which is why they're super slow. And they tend to just sort of fizzle out over time because they're, they don't end up having a lot of support to keep them sustained. And so this one, yeah, took five days to kind of wander across. And then it just, it kind of disappeared over the Northern Gulf of California, but it did plenty of work in the, in the in-between of helping to sustain the moisture and, and just add just a little bit of, a little bit of flavor to help these storm events flare up.
0: Well, the other thing you said a minute ago was that there's just been high precipital water, you know, from, you know, across the Southern tier. So if you're, if you have stuff moving in from the East or moving in from the South, it kind of doesn't matter. There's just, there's a lot of water available. And I'm just wondering if, and so, and so maybe that, that means that the, the exact location of the, the high pressure Ridge, whether it's. Northwest of us or Northeast of East of us or, or over the four corners. Like it kind of doesn't matter because it's, it's helping to tap into, you know, a lot of moisture everywhere basically. So I'm wondering if that's right. If I heard you correctly, like, is that something that doesn't happen all that often? And if so, I'm I'm just curious, like any, any, any reasons for why that might be the case this year.
1: You moved from July to August. I think typically what you see is there's kind of a progression of the circulation pattern across the whole Western U.S. is right. So June to July transition is typically there's a little bit of a sharper trough off of the uh, West Coast that's, you know, it's related to the broader Northern Hemisphere dynamics and the subtropical ridge, the monsoon ridge is starting to build up across the West as the landmass heats up. So as you get further into July and August, it just sort of gets bigger. And it usually just becomes kind of sprawling. You get into this kind of stagnant summer pattern in August, which is usually when we sort of peak activity anyways, climatologically. And at that point, if you've had, you know, the the ridge has been in a good position and you've had some support to have these Gulf surges come up, you just end up getting a lot of just moisture can flow in and park everywhere. It's, it's basically that air mass has, advanced north and is stagnant and there isn't a lot going on with the upper level circulation because you are under this big sprawling ridge that you then have to rely on other sort of subtle dynamics, you know, like the inverted troughs or like a weird little closed low or these little mesoscale vortices that have formed from the other things to get stuff to fire off. It's also the time of year two where you can get the too wet to rain, you know, where you'll end up having Weak flow storms pop up on the mountains. You shade out areas, and then nothing ends up happening. So, we ended up having all that good moisture there, and not completely stagnating, but having enough interesting stuff go around to sustain the moisture. But then also have the storms be able to form in different locations across the region. And you know, sometimes we can have all that moisture, and, and you end up having this really beautiful wet season along the high country of Arizona, New Mexico, and the low deserts don't see anything. Tucson and Phoenix can get left out of that too. This year's was super weird. Some of the storms were moved, up, moved off into Phoenix and they didn't in Tucson. Usually it's the other way around. Tucson ended up having, I think some really good days all over the metro area and they just missed the airport, which is why the totals are down. And then the storms... For a run of three days, ended up hitting the airport and no other part of town. You know, it was just like
0: averaged out. That's yeah, what it's just
1: crazy. I mean, it's it's hard to even like for us to talk about the monsoon because it's almost like you have to think about it as every individual storm event over every like part of the southwest through the whole 108 days of the monsoon season.
0: Okay, so maybe the the, the big picture here is there is moisture around, ample moisture around, but the other parts of the monsoon equation, including like the the dynamics, the upper level dynamics, the wind profiles, the things that can generate uplift uh, and then movement off the, the higher countries that create widespread events. were are sort of there present mostly everywhere.
1: Yeah, they, right. And they, these little mesoscale vortices would occur. You know, they, they're very common in Mexico because they just have these enormous flare-ups of thunderstorms in the high country that become so massive that they start to induce their own um, circulation. And they typically go from East to West and they'll wander out over the Gulf of Gulf of California and can help induce surges. But we had them kind of like curving up. We had them forming and wandering around Arizona for days, you know, so we ended up having a lot of, again, just like you said, those little enhancements that would keep the precip from being train locked, moving around. And again, I'm just I'm so surprised at how much precip and how the frequency of the events for the low deserts this year really seems to stand out to me. That that will seems that seems to happen every couple of years. We end up having like a big um you know a big stripe of thunderstorms up the Colorado River River valley, usually from a recurving tropical storm. But that's not what this was at all. It was it was other factors at play, lots of moisture. I mean, you saw the news coverage too of Las Vegas, like the casinos flooding out, not once, but several times mid monsoon, not, you know, tropically driven stuff you'd see in September normally.
0: But if we think about this in terms of like first principles, right, you have to have precipitation in play and probably precipitation correlates with some of these other things, right? Like the mesoscale convective systems or, or vortices, right? Like you don't have those. in in summers, or you don't have as many of those in summers if you don't have rainfall because they're generated through, through rainfall. Right. I think
1: that's right. Are there single points of failure with these, with these different things? Well, the the low level moisture can absolutely be a a point of failure, right? It seems like you've got to build upon that first, but that alone is not enough to give you.
0: And we've seen that. that, We've seen those, those, those seasons in which Mm -hmm. there has been, moisture around and we're like, oh, we should be getting more rain. The, the other dynamics aren't, aren't in place. But I guess what I was going back to on, on first principles is that like it's the position of the ridge was just, you know, preferentially or in a, a more favorable position for a longer period of time this year. And, and 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 that's sort of like the driving driving force. I mean, we come back to it every single time that we have these these good seasons.
1: Like every year, it's a little weird. I mean, it wanders around, it, it breaks down, it rebuilds, if you look at the data to a couple, you slice it and dice it a, a couple different ways, looking across the southwest as a region, there was no like lengthy break period. You know, we've we've talked about this in the past where there's and you see this in literature, there's this idea of bursts and breaks in the monsoon. It's like there's active periods and then a retreat, and then there's an active period and a retreat. And I, I certainly remember past years where that's kind of you you get the ebb and the flow, right? You can even think about like watching the weather service forecast where you're like, okay, it's 30% chance of precip here in Tucson. And it goes out through day seven. And then they're like, well, cause it's going to slow down next week. So that we're going to drop the storm chances to like 20% or maybe there's a 10 or something like that. I don't know if you remember, but it was like, I don't remember a single day over the last, six weeks where the the chance of rain in Tucson wasn't at least 30%, if not 50%, <laughs> just every day. And it was just like it never slowed down. And if you look at the maps, look at the time series, there were no break periods really in the last eight weeks of the monsoon across the southwest.
0: Yeah, I I had just looked at Tucson's dew point data as as one measure of that. And yeah, and you're right. I mean, I think Nothing. there was just a couple days yeah in the monsoon season where dew points were below average and below that critical threat just a couple of days though there wasn't
1: a single day in august where it was and there was one day where the daily average dew point was almost 70 in tucson
0: i mean you right. want to feel good about yourself compare 2020 i think it was yeah. 2020 dew point data yeah. to uh this year and you're like oh such a different story <laughs> yeah yep yep you know the monsoon has delivered, and in a lot of ways, uh, it's delivered. I think one can make a case that, at least to date, it's delivered more than it was last year, which we'll get to in a minute. But like, when I was looking at the all the information today, I was just blown away by that because you know we called last year a generational monsoon, and there's a case to be made that this year is 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 even better than last year. We'll have to see how it ends up, and we'll go through this exercise in a minute. Um, and that exercise is sort of coming up with what we think is our our Mount Rushmore of the Southwest monsoons. But before getting into that, just a little bit of an overview. Major cities around the Southwest, um, this is through September 1st. You know, Tucson's right at about average, just a little bit below average. This is the airport. Um, Nogales is much above average. Safford's nearly 200% of average. Sierra Vista's uh, much above average. Wilcox, much above average. Picacho Peak, right around average. Ajo, like two and a half times average, you know, moving to like central Arizona, you know, Phoenix airport, again, is. I think I mentioned this before, it's, it's, it's below average, but if you zoom out and and look at some other stations around Phoenix, they're, they're above average. Uh, Gila Bend, slightly below average, uh, but Globe, Apache Junction, Parker, even Yuma, they're all above average. And then if we move to the Northern parts of Arizona, you know, Flagstaff, Kingman, Page, Prescott, Sholo, Winslow, all above average. Sorry, I don't have New Mexico here. We'll get to New Mexico in a minute, but I'm just pulling off from the National Weather Service and it was just an easy figure to look at. So very good picture through July, actually late June, July and August. And I was thinking about today and like thinking about, so what are the, what's the three main takeaways so far of the monsoon? I came up with these, Mike. So the first one is is, is is that it's just been spatially coherent. There hasn't been really a bullseye. It's been completely widespread. Like if we look at last year, we look at the maps, there was a lot of rainfall in a lot of different places, but like the Phoenix, Tucson, sort of central Arizona, all the way down to Tucson was the bullseye. We don't really have that here. Like there's not areas with much above average. There's just a lot of areas with above average uh, rainfall. So. I think it's spatially coherent, no real bullseye is, 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 is my one takeaway. You know, you can also sort of see this in like the elevation. When you look at rainfall by these elevation bins, you know, it's consistently across these bins that, that they've been, uh, the distributions are, uh, uh, are above average. So the medians are all, you know, 125% to, you know, 150% of, of average. So it's consistently, it's not like, this isn't like an upper elevation story which sometimes can happen. So the second point then is New Mexico, New Mexico, you know, has received quite a bit of the heavier rainfall events uh, this summer. In fact, if you look at the the rainfall maps, the largest events all sort of focus their their <laughs> their their efforts in in New Mexico. Maybe we can unpack that a little bit. And third point, I'm a little bit less confident on Mike, but I'm curious your take on it. It feels to me looking at a few of the stations that there's been sort of persistent rainfall like the average number of days uh, of rainfall uh, sort of tracking around maybe a little bit above average but the intensity of those rainfall days have been less. So it's been more lower precipitation events uh, and not as much of uh, large uh, intense events. Lower rainfall totals, but in a in a higher number of days. So those are my three big takeaways. You can uh, refute them or add to them.
1: So we, but well, we make a series of monsoon tracking maps. But th- that's exactly the way this year stood out to me from past years, right? And so, so on these maps, you know, you do the the typical like we total the daily precipitation from June fifteenth up until present. But then we can calculate some other metrics like the percent of days that have seen rain in that period of time from 615 to present, the intensity index, which would be the ratio of the total precip to the days that experienced rain. And then you can look at a map of what was the the heaviest precip that occurred in every location on a single day. And it's it's just what you said, Zach, that stands out this year is a huge expanse of uh, Arizona, New Mexico have seen measurable precip on at least 75% of the days if not more which me, which is you know we talked about in the past like Tucson you know on average on a really good monsoon might see 30% you know 30% of the days we'd actually observe rain because it's that burst and break phenomenon that you typically see just this you know solid wall of activity and again it's not like particular days were blasting out four inches of rain. We actually, we don't see many locations, none in Arizona, where the max daily precip was more than three inches, right? A lot of things of like one to two inches is sort of the max daily rainfall, but doing it day after day after day, it's been stacking up these totals. And in far Eastern New Mexico, there were a couple of really heavy events where locations got four to six to maybe even 10 inches out on the sort of Great Plains side of New Mexico. But Kind of in our kind of core monsoon, you know western New Mexico and Arizona, it has just been sort of consistent activity building up this total, which is even different than last year. Last year was a little bit more burst, bursty breaky with um, two events really giving us most of our seasonal total, which were those two closed low events, one in July and one in August stacked it up. We don't really have that this year. We just have like just like wall-to-wall activity as far as from a time scale perspective.
0: Yeah, I, I wasn't expecting to see something similar similar as last year. And we should be clear, like, uh, uh, we certainly haven't had in Tucson, you know, a, a July. We didn't have the July that we had last year. Right? No. But w- when we zoom out and we look regionally, it's just amazing that uh, we have a monsoon, the 2022 monsoon rivals the 2021 monsoon. So we'll get to this in a minute. But I, I just was not expecting that. The other thing I wasn't expecting Mike is like oftentimes you have like one state or or you know a part of a state faring well whereas the you know let's say Arizona fares well New Mexico doesn't and and, and vice versa and, and 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 as we noted like if you look at Arizona, uh New Mexico like it's pretty much and and Arizona too there it's pretty much full uh, above average rainfall and I'm just curious and with, with New Mexico probably receiving, um, on average, more than Arizona. So I'm curious, like, any, any thoughts on, on why New Mexico has been sort of under the, 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 the rain shower, so to speak?
1: They've put together a season in a couple of different ways, right? So we had the June, June precipitation, was a big contributor. They've had, for their typical areas, have had, I think, really good sort of run-of-the-mill afternoon monsoon thunderstorm activity. And then some of this tropical stuff, I think, brought eastern New Mexico, which can often go dry like the rest of the Great Plains during a good monsoon. There's a dipole between the Great Plains and the southwest in the summertime that the southwest is wet. it's The Great Plains are typically dry and, and vice versa. And it has to do just with the position of the ridge. I'm looking at a graphic right now, and it looks like, in general, the Great Plains... As far as well nebraska and, and Kansas certainly have been dry, but Texas has actually been been wet, and I think it's been a little bit more because of the rich position in the tropical moisture that has brought much of New Mexico online and has has actually benefited us. but we also have access to that Gulf of California moisture, and so you know just looking at august there's there's wet conditions across all the Gulf states, New Mexico, Arizona, and Nevada, and California. <laughs> Uh, two are all above average, which again, you don't see that
0: every year. It sort of begs the question, you know, having not been here for a good part of the summer, I, I was very surprised at how good the monsoon has been and how widespread it is. We, we've sort of gone over that, and it sort of begged the question of, like, well, where does this rank? And so, we went through this exercise of trying to come up with our pantheon, our Mount Rushmore of, of the monsoons. So, Mike, I came up with with. Four, if you will, really a top three. And then I can contextualize where I think 2022 falls within that, th- th- those three or four. First thing is like, came up with the criteria. So the three that I came up with was we needed rainfall to be sort of widespread. Um, and so one of the things that I looked at is, is just where the, the the state came in in terms of its ranking. And also where, like how many climate divisions or counties were uh, above average precipitation. So sort of widespread and magnitude that sort of rolls in widespread and magnitude. And then the other thing is good rainfall had to be in places where people are. So I have a, have a metropolitan bias to this, this metric, thinking about Tucson, Phoenix, Flagstaff, Albuquerque, and the sort of Las Cruces, El Paso uh, area and uh, southern, southern New Mexico. So the other thing, because I was looking at some NOAA data that only went back to to 2000. So I'm restricting my analysis to, you know, the last 21 years. So the top three, 2014, last year, 2021 and 2006, that's like the top tier. And then there is a second tier, which I think one could make an argument for that is in that top tier tier. And that's 2013. Okay. So again, it's, it's 2014. 2021 last year, and 2006 top three. Mike, you with me so far? I don't know anybody that is more of a historian of the monsoon than you, so this matters.
1: I'm hanging with you. I'm I'm not in full agreement
0: quite yet. Fantastic. 2014, uh, I think the easiest way to summarize this is 2014, Arizona on average, the state of Arizona was the fifth wettest on record up to to 2014. This gives an indication that it was top five uh, up through that uh, particular season. So Arizona was was with fifth wettest. New Mexico was eighth wettest. Seven of the seven climate divisions in Arizona, all of the climate divisions were um, above average. Uh, in New Mexico, however, uh, the, the the northern tier uh, three climate divisions in the northern regions were were not above average. They were near average the the sort of spatial pattern was shifted very much to the sort of southern half of both both states and you know there's a bullseye around phoenix and tucson got um, quite a bit of rainfall phoenix was the seventh wettest on record flagstaff was the was the fifth wettest on, on record so that's 2020, 2014 and i should also say that 50% of arizona new mexico uh, had experienced uh, above uh, much above average rainfall so this is rainfall That fell up 125% of average or or greater. So pretty widespread. Northern tiers of New Mexico and the and also the four corners regions pretty dry. 2021 through its particular through last year was the ninth wettest uh, for Arizona. It drops down a bit because New Mexico was just sort of spatially, um, if you average across the entire state, sort of middle of the road. Uh, It was 61 out of 127. So not even at the median. But it rises in importance because Phoenix and Tucson and Flagstaff and Las Cruces and and El Paso received quite a bit of rainfall. Tucson was third wettest on record. El Paso was the fourth wettest on record. Flagstaff had uh, 125% of average. So so it sort of elevates um, based on that, even though New Mexico itself the, the northern half of the state was below average, and the southern half was, was above average. And then finally, let's go to 2006. It was the 14th on record, wettest on record through 2006, and while New Mexico, however, was the second wettest on record. And again, the entire state, all the climate divisions were, were above average for both both states, and obviously, uh, therefore, the, the major metropolitan areas received uh, above average rainfall. And so it's, it had about uh, 50% of, it's now slightly less than 50% of, of, of the region experienced a uh, uh, much above average rainfall or, or above 125% of average for, for, for each of those locations. So I think there can be an argument made, Mike, for each of these falling, in, falling as number one. So those are my top three. You, do you have others, what, what, what would be your, your top three? I think
1: what's really interesting about this whole exercise is there are so many different ways of trying to throw up on the mountain, you know, who these different monsoons are from the top three. I looked back a little bit further. There's a couple of years that stand out. In particular, 1999 was a pretty big widespread year as far as above average precipitation for much of New Mexico and in Arizona. And then 1984 also stands out as a as a big monsoon year. It's actually, if you look at regional totals for the 1981 to, to uh, 2021 period, it's the wettest there. And that's where you just had the most widespread precip. And it's also where precip sort of reached into the low deserts in a, a pretty dramatic way as well. So... Yeah, I, I I like what you're you're saying too. And you you did a little bit more work to try to see the coverage and if it was intersecting with the metro areas and those kinds of things. And I didn't I didn't put any effort to that. I was what looking kind of two? more at the extent and the expanse of the precipitation.
0: What were you two? As I'm sifting through uh, images here, what were your two years?
1: Um, if you look at 1999 yep. and then uh, 1984,
0: so 1999. So I did. I did go back and look at a few earlier years in 2000, and I do have 1999 in front of me. And the thing that stood out to me about 1999 is that like the eastern half of New Mexico was dry. It shifted. I mean, Arizona fared fairly well, and if you look at like again the the sort of both state aerial average, you know, 50 percent of the of the area was, you know, much above average. So that sort of like falls in line with some of the other ones that I said. And I, yeah. again, I think maybe it's just like the hard part about this is that each of these years, they had sort of spots that were drier than average, if you will, and they, they all had some of those. I think in
1: 1999 is having one of the more even above average extents from Western New Mexico into Arizona out of many of the years. So, and I don't even really think of East, you know, Eastern New Mexico really isn't monsoon country. Right. It's, it's spring rain country at that point. And so when it does come into play during the summer, it's, it is unusual, which does make this year stand out.
0: So that's a compelling argument to sort of discount Eastern, Eastern New Mexico.
1: Well, when you, when you see monsoon studies, you, t- you typically, you see studies that will do Arizona and New Mexico completely together as the full, but, but even the monsoon research will focus on Arizona and Western New Mexico, typically, right? Because that's, that's typically where you see kind of the core of the monsoon region here, the, the, the Northern extent of the the North American monsoon.
0: Yeah. I'm totally fine with like 1999 getting into the, into the pantheon. I guess it also sort of makes the case for why I think this year could elevate itself maybe even to be you know at the top of the pile here mike but certainly i think it's got a really good chance of being top 4 again if you look at this year and again we we haven't had <laughs> september yet right so the picture is going to change but if we just persisted in the way that it's been going right now there's been close to 70% of the state both states with much above average rainfall, which would be higher than any of the other top five. Even if you got rid of eastern New Mexico, the anomalies in the western half of New Mexico and Arizona are higher than those on average elsewhere. I think New Mexico or Arizona certainly is going to be you know, a top five as a state. Of course, we don't see those. Well, I don't know. I don't want to say that. but it, But I didn't have the, the data for uh, July and August handy. It's it's not updated yet, but I, I would expect that July and August like would be a top five for Arizona. So, I mean, I, I guess the point that I want to make is like this 2022 is in the running.
1: To me, it's what we always struggle with, right? It's like when you have the top five, none of the years are like each other in very many ways, right? <laughs> 2022, with some metrics, will rise to the top, but the way it got there is going to be completely different than 2021 or even like 2006, which I think is super interesting, right? Like, you know, looking at some of these metrics and some of these maps, 2022 is super weird in the sense of like there aren't crazy one day precipitation totals all over Arizona, which you can look at any of these other past years and you'll see, you know, pockmarks of three, four, five inches. Whereas this year it was like you did that work over a couple days rather than one day, so it's like standing out as like a completely different kind of flavor. And again, I think again, like if you had the top five, all five of those, two of those might be more similar to each other than the rest of the five, but then the the other three are like completely different from each other as well, which I think is you know super interesting about this stuff.
0: You know, I have to say this with the caveat that like I haven't been here as much as I was last year, but it. And, and I mentioned this before, but it, it sort of doesn't feel as good as, at least in where I've been, as an existential experience. It doesn't feel as good as it did last year. But certainly when you sort of zoom out and look at the the, the regional data, at least through the end of August, that it's, it's, it's comparable at the least. And I, I think it's sort of winning the horse race a bit. We'll have to come back to this and revisit this, where 2022 fits in, which which I think begs the question, Mike, September you started this with Debbie Downer kind of, uh, kind of, kind of beginning. So, so you think September, you think the monsoon is, is in the rearview mirror. So, so tell me a little bit why, why, why you're, why you're thinking that.
1: Our favorite monsoon bloggers like Bob Maddox and, and Mike Luthold's forecast discussions, you know, I've learned over the years and you, and you, you see this in the research you see this in data is that you come into the monsoon with the upper level winds coming out of the Southwest. And then the whole column shifts around to the East And then you're in the monsoon, and as soon as those upper level winds shift around to the southwest again, it's a it's a pretty good indication that you're you're moving out. And so, and it's so regular and predictable by the end of August that you start to see the upper level southwest winds emerge across the southwest, and it has to do with the the whole northern hemisphere starting to see fall, right? And the ridge is sagging, and the the upper upper level ridge, if you go way up to the top of the atmosphere has started to sag south in response to, you know, dropping sun angle and shifting weather patterns across the Northern hemisphere. So rebuilding the ridge, having all of those winds shift around and then getting a Gulf surge to throw a bunch of moisture back up in here, it just doesn't really happen in um, the next couple of weeks climatologically. And and if you look at the the precip stat, stats across the Southwest too, it's about September 15th. You really start to see on average, the last rain event climatologically at most stations.
0: All right. So I am looking at the two week forecast and they are calling for above average chances uh, in Southern, most of Arizona, not in Southern New Mexico. So this would, this would be for the September 10th through 16th period. So I don't know what they're looking at, but, but I also looked at the sort of September monthly seasonal forecast, and they're calling for below average con- conditions across the month. So there's maybe not mixed singles there, signals there, but maybe there's there's chance elevated chances for rainfall in a, a few periods, but maybe not persistent, which which is kind of what we expect in in September.
1: The shift is that you lose this sort of monsoon pattern, and so to get precip in. Southwest in September, it's got to be tropical. So you're now like hanging your hat on a tropical storm off the, in the East Pacific is close enough to induce a little slug of moisture to come up that you can play with, or you actually have a recurving storm that comes overhead and drops a lot of rain.
0: All right, hold that thought. I have to correct something. The actual, the, the monthly precipitation outlook from the Climate Prediction Center for September is for above uh, an increase in chances for above-average rainfall in in southern Arizona and New Mexico, in addition to above for Arizona for the eight to 14 day. Maybe they're queuing into this East Pack activity that you're you're referring to.
1: You know, I'm looking at the the ensemble model that goes out through September 18th. It does not look good. If we can't get any rain in the next two weeks, getting rain in the final two weeks is really up to a f- fall weather pattern at that point or a tropical storm. It's not monsoon anymore. I'm sorry, man. And it's it, it took me a long time to realize that September is not really a monsoon month.
0: <laughs> it really, <laughs>
1: it, it really isn't.
0: Yeah, I know we lump it in there um because it can be right. Like you can have the the monsoon sort of persist into early September, but we we lump it in there because it's just an easier cutoff to to, to suggest that the three months are July, August, and September, really. Well, uh,
1: I, I think it's, I think it's, again, it's the lumper versus splitter argument here too, is like, is do we throw those tropical storms and this leftover, anything that's interacting with leftover monsoon moisture in September into the monsoon? I mean, we do it at the beginning of the season with June, right? The June isn't really monsoon in the, in the kind of purest way of, upper level easterly flow and, you know, Gulf surges and that kind of stuff, it starts off that way. And it's a kind of a clumsy uh, walk into it in July. It's really, if you're in it, you're kind of in it by July 15th and you're out of it by August 30th, as far as the core, but we, we add on those like kind of margin months where we're coming into it and getting out of it and throw those precip totals into it as well.
0: You're not looking toward the East pack to boost our rainfall totals. You're you're not, you're not betting on that.
1: I, well, I'd be happy if it happened, but it's I'm not no, no. And I I think my monsoon f- fantasy was like below median for all of my stations.
0: So mine was above, and I went back and forth on this. I was sort of like pinning my my hopes on to some <laughs> remnant storm, hopefully not very large or devastating in any way, uh, I was sort of pinning my, my hopes on, you know, we just need one of those things to of, And we haven't, I don't believe we've had one in a while.
1: We had a tropical, it may have been remnant. It was at least some moisture on about September 1st, right? And it was really the last proper last year, event. Last year. Last year. Yeah. yeah. So out of our epic wet, you know, the, the real monsoon stuff kind of fizzled out in, in August. And we ended up having something tropical right around September 1st. And then it, if you remember back, we were all like, stop raining. We need the mosquitoes to die off. And there was just water everywhere. So we were kind of good. And then it, we had a little bit of fall kind of winter, fall weather by the end of the month. But it really wasn't monsoon.
0: Yeah, so I was sort of pinning my my estimates on uh, a, st- uh, a storm in East Pacific. And, you know, there was, the forecasts in the beginning of the year were for higher chances for below low average, but it it sort of hasn't played out that way. We've had 11 named storms to date on average, like we get 15. You know, September is one of those months that it's as active as the other months, if not more active. We're sort of right around average at the moment. It is a La Nina event. La Nina, like historically, like as they say, uh, sort of suppresses tropical storm activity in the East Pacific, but this is not really playing out this year, or maybe the signals are just low enough where there's quite a bit of noise, and um, and and that anyway. So I went, uh, I went optimistic, Mike, because that's that's kind of how I roll with this monsoon. Why not? Let's, I think it's let's, great, let's, man. Let's I, keep up the let's keep up the good vibes.
1: I need your positivity, Zach. Keep it going.
0: Where are you on Monsoon Fantasy, by the way? Do you know what number you're you're at? Because I'm climbing um, up the leaderboard.
1: I'm doing about as good as I do every year.
0: <laughs> well, we have our our own Ben McMahon. I think is is uh, he's been running near the top the entire time. I was 28th at the end of uh, August. Anyway, quite a lot of fun. A lot of people still still playing that game. We so I think uh, uh there's still quite the uh, uh the opportunity to have that leaderboard shake out with the with the number of players still still in the running.
1: It's going to be awesome, yeah.
0: All right, Mike. Whoo. Uh monsoon 2022. How awesome, right?
1: It's been great. And to get two really interesting summers in a row, I'm getting a feeling a little bit spoiled now and I'm What's what's twenty twenty three gonna be like?
0: <laughs> Who knows? All right, Mike, any final parting shots? I, I'd be
1: great if it rained again, but I'm I'm not holding my breath.
0: Guarantee it It's gonna you rain somewhere. It
1: yeah, it's gonna rain somewhere for sure.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I'm banking on 2022 being on the Mount Rushmore of of monsoons. And for that to happen, I do think that we need to have some some rain, not just in a few places, but pretty widespread. So it's got a chance, but if it craters like you're suggesting, then it, I don't think it's going to make it. So yeah, I'm,
1: I'm pulling for it. Don't 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 think this is total negativity.
0: <laughs> all right, all right. Take care, Mike. Thanks, Zach. Okay, so you said a couple things that I thought were was interesting. Just a couple, though. Um, which is more than <laughs> which is more than normal, Mike. Is um,
1: it above average? All right,
0: it's good. <laughs> And we we went through this exercise. Let me get closer to the mic.